morning to everybody. As Jim said, this lesson is about being placed. And Jim even used one way to say this phrase, because I know we've all heard it. You're here for a reason, or you've been put here for a reason. This is a phrase that we hear probably pretty frequently. Now the question is, do you do what I do? Because every time I hear that, I focus on the very last word of the sentence. And I skip the rest. That it's all about the purpose. And don't get me wrong, this lesson will deal some with the purpose. But we want to focus on another word. Depending on how you say the phrase. But to focus on here. The location. The place in which you are. Because that phrase isn't just about the purpose. It's also about the location and where you are. Now we started with a scripture reading that was from Genesis 12. The Lord had said to Abraham, Go from your country, your people and your father's household, to the land I will show you. So Abraham isn't pulling out his map. He's not unfolding it and saying, okay, where do I want to go? That doesn't happen. God shows Abraham where to go. And this is also a conditional statement. Basically, you go where I lead you, and I will make you into a great nation. I will bless you. I will make your name great. And you will be a blessing. I will bless those that bless you. And whosoever curses you, I will curse. And all the peoples on earth will be blessed through you. If you continue on to verse 4, we see what happens. Abraham went. And he also brought Lot with him. But it's a conditional statement. Abraham had to go where God led him. And that place wasn't one that Abraham picked. Now, if you notice also, if you think about Exodus chapter 3, and this is verses 7 to 10, the Lord said, I have indeed seen the misery of my people in Egypt. I have heard them crying out because of their slave drivers, and I am concerned about their suffering. So I have come down to rescue them from the hand of the Egyptians and bring them up out of that land into a good and spacious land, a land flowing with milk and honey, the home of the Canaanites, the Hittites, Amorites, Perizzites, Hivites, and Jebusites. And now the cry of the Israelites has reached me, and I have seen the way the Egyptians are oppressing them. So now go. I am sending you to Pharaoh to bring my people, the Israelites, out of Egypt. So God not only brought Abraham to this land, Centuries later, he brought Abraham's descendants back to this land. So why? Have you ever considered that? Why? Why this land? Why does God want His people here in this place? What's special about this land? Because there's got to be something. Why would God not only bring Abraham there, but then bring his descendants back? Now this is a map... It is of a little later era, but it's the best one I could find to show the roads. Because you've got the Via Maris, 
that runs here. The Via Maris is a road that connects Egypt to the area where the empire of Assyria was that later became Babylon, and then Persia. This was a major trade route. This was a major route that was used all the time. The King's Highway that's on the other side, just across the Jordan River, which is right here, that this is another major road. It connected the Sinai Peninsula to territories of Persia, Babylon, Assyria. So these were two major roads. And not only that, this was a place of a crossroads. That's the Jericho Road. That's not labeled on there. But it's because, obviously, at this end is where Jericho is actually located. But it's at this place, this intersection of cultures, this location that God puts His people, that God picked this land. Because at the time, it was the crossroads of the world. Because you think about it, God could have put His people anywhere. He could have put them in India, in Russia. I can't imagine Moses leading the people to Siberia, but I couldn't imagine him leading them, you know, to Germany either. But God picked this place for a reason. Because this was the cultural center of the whole Mediterranean area. The largest empires of the day used this area. This was literally the stage for God's people. This was, if you use the metaphor of being a light, this is the stand that they're being put on. So they can be a light to the world. That this whole area is unique and special at this time. And it was for hundreds of years. That this is the place where God brought about His Son. His birth, His ministry, His life, where Jesus taught, He preached, He performed miracles. And it's also the place where He was crucified. It's the place where the church was born. That this area really was the crossroads of the world at the time. But the truth is, God's people being put on this stage... You'd think they can't fail. (laughs) God has put them in the perfect place to be seen. The perfect place for them to show all the other peoples, whether they were the Canaanites, the Amorites, the Philistines, the Egyptians, the Persians, the Assyrians, Babylonians, didn't matter. They were in the right place to show who their God was. To demonstrate what their God had done for them. Not just, we've referred to it several times, not just the standing stones, the monuments of what God did, which there were plenty of them, but they themselves were supposed to be this people, this testament to God. And they were put in the perfect place for it. But they just fell short. You see, the Israelites didn't put away the foreign gods they had come into contact with. They didn't put away the idols. They didn't conquer all the lands like they were commanded to. 
And they didn't shine before all the other nations the way they should have. They were meant to have influence. They were meant to be central to all the things going on in this region. And they just weren't. Instead of being a light to the world, they focused on the fact that they were God's people and they were separate. That if you look in this area, and I know this map's not great, there are three separate areas. There's a coastal plain, this area about through here, which are where some hills, it's called the Shepla, and then the Judean mountains, where Jerusalem is. Most of God's people lived in the mountains. Most of God's people concentrated away from the other people that lived there. Like in the coastal plains where the Canaan, some of the Canaanite peoples, like the Philistines, still lived. They didn't influence these people the way they should have. They separated themselves and became aggressive in their isolation. Just consider for a moment the temple. The temple itself had a level of separation and segregation from different peoples. You have an outer court that was the court of the Gentiles. So God's people didn't even worship with other people that were coming to their temple. The women didn't worship with the men. And the men themselves were separated from the Levites and the priest. That the temple in and of itself is a microcosm of what it was like. That isolation, that separation. But despite all of this, despite the isolationist tendencies of God's people, God still used them. God still brought forth His Son, the Savior, the Messiah, through His people. God fulfilled the promises He had made. They provided the soil from which the church would grow. And they were the starting point for it. Most of the early Christians, when you think about the day of Pentecost, they were almost all Hebrew. God still used His people. And even though His disciples knew this culture, this isolationist culture, the being separate, they had learned something else. Because they had learned from Jesus. Now if you just look at this picture, I felt like it really conveyed what I'm talking about here. Because I could have gone to a hundred different examples. But you think about the story of Jesus and the woman at the well. The Samaritan woman. Someone Jesus wasn't even supposed to talk to. And in one conversation, He changed the course of her life. The disciples learned from that kind of example. You think about when Jesus was going through the crowd to Jairus' house and the woman with the hemorrhage grabbed his cloak and was healed. Not only did she get healed, Jesus didn't just walk away. He stopped and asked, who touched me? Who touched my cloak? 
the disciples learned from the example of Jesus of being connected to other people, taking advantage of where he was in that moment, in that place. Because Christ did two things with that. That wherever he was, he saw God had put him there. At that time, at that moment, God had placed him there for a reason. But also, no matter where he was, was an opportunity to serve, to worship, to praise God in some way. Whether it was prayer, teaching, preaching, healing. God had put him there for a reason. God had brought those people to him in that place at that time. Jesus didn't think it was an accident that this Samaritan woman showed up at the well. At the same time, he stopped there. He knew. He didn't think that God was just handing him some random opportunity. It was very intentional. That God had placed him there and had brought her there for a reason. Now, the early disciples learned from this. They learned from that example. They learned that they were placed in situations and that God would call them to certain places for a reason. Think about the example. I hate that John Trabondi's not here because he talked about this a bit several, several weeks ago on a Wednesday night. But the story of Philip and the Ethiopian eunuch. If you look in Acts chapter 8, starting in verse 26. Now an angel of the Lord said to Philip, Go south to the road, the desert road, that goes down from Jerusalem to Gaza. So he started out, and on his way he met an Ethiopian eunuch. An important official in charge of all the treasury of the queen of the Ethiopians. This man had gone to Jerusalem to worship. And on his way home, he was sitting in his chariot reading the book of Isaiah, the prophet. The Spirit told Philip, go to the chariot and stay near it. Then Philip ran up to the chariot and heard the man reading Isaiah, the prophet. Do you understand what you are reading? Philip asked. How can I? He said. Unless someone explains it to me. So he invited Philip to come up and to sit with him. So Philip studies with him. Dropping down to verse 34. The eunuch asked Philip, Tell me please, who is the prophet talking about? Himself or someone else? Then Philip began with that very passage of Scripture and told him the good news about Jesus. As they traveled along the road, they came to some water and the eunuch said, Look, here is water. What can stand in the way of my being baptized? And he gave orders to stop the chariot. Both Philip and the eunuch went down into the water, and Philip baptized him. When they came up out of the water, the Spirit of the Lord suddenly took Philip away, and the eunuch didn't see him again. So that begs a few questions. Would this man... Would this eunuch have ever been saved? Would have ever have learned about Jesus if Philip wasn't there? 
would the early church have ever have had the impact it had in Ethiopia and in northern Africa if Philip hadn't been there? This is one of those moments that it just screams, God put Philip there. He placed him there. Now I believe even if Philip would have ignored God, God would have found someone to be there. Someone else that was equipped would have been there. Or come into contact with him in some way. But in this instance, God chose Philip. Philip answered, and something incredible happened. He made an impact with this one individual. And that individual changed a whole region. The early church grew and developed in that area. And perhaps it wouldn't have without Philip answering God's call and being where God wanted him to be. You can think about Peter and Cornelius in Acts chapter 10. That Cornelius received a vision from God, telling him to send for Peter. Peter received a vision, basically telling him, just because Cornelius is a Gentile doesn't mean you should not go. (laughs) That he made it clear. And because of that, Cornelius and his whole household were baptized. Their lives were changed forever. Just And not only were they changed forever, Peter was changed forever. Peter went from believing, you know, basically that God's kingdom was open to his people to now saying God's kingdom's open to everyone. And I shouldn't judge what kind of meat they eat, whether they're Greek, whether they're slave or free, that the boundaries don't matter anymore. The separation shouldn't matter. Now, out of the entire universe God has created, God placed us here in the Milky Way. Now, out of this whole galaxy, billions of miles, He placed us here on this one planet and not even a really big planet. Not only that, we're here. We're in a country where we're free to worship how we want. We're free to worship our God. We're here. We've been placed here in Pennsylvania. In an area that truly is special. I don't know too many other places, and I have lived in a few. I don't know too many other places where you go you know, can go for a half-hour drive and end up out in the middle of nowhere, in the middle of downtown, in all different kinds of suburban areas with different flavors, some with neighborhoods, some with apartments, some with high-rises. It's truly a special place and a place that all of us have been put, something we all have in common. We've been placed here. And not only that, I jumped ahead, we've been placed here in this city, in this area. So that's when we start to ask the question, 
now that we know we've been placed here. Why? What is that reason? What is that purpose? Because I promise you, God has a use for each and every one of us. And that doesn't mean a one-time use. That means a daily use. An hourly use. Because not only might God call you for a specific purpose, whether it's to plant another church, to be involved with the children's ministry here, to go and to sing at the nursing homes on Wednesday night when we go to do that, to be here and worship with us. God is calling you all the time to ordinary places, ordinary conversations. But ordinary conversations in which, if we expect it, God can do something remarkable. We've been put in a place that truly is special. The church is all over the world. But the thing is, we're in a society that we truly can have an impact. We're on the cutting edge of everything, pretty much. Every new device, every new form of communication, transportation, clothing, music. It, so much of it is coming from us. It's coming from here. So how will you relate to that? How will you spread God's message using the talents He's given you? Not all of us are great singers. But we all have a voice that we can use. Not all of us are fantastic writers. But I'm pretty sure each and every one of us has the ability to write. And each and every one of us has the ability to serve to give and to praise God in some way all the time. You've been placed here. You've been brought here this morning for a reason. Don't leave without finding it. And that doesn't mean you haven't found a reason why you were here this morning. Whether it's a conversation you had before church or you've been uplifted by the worship. You're here. God brought you here, and God brought the people sitting around you here. God has made us a family. God has put us at this crossroads. And yes, that's a little bit of wordplay. He put us here. And we have just the same opportunity His people had to be the light of the world. So that then becomes the question. We know we've been placed here. So will you do what you know you've been called to do? Will you be His people? Will you live a life full of worship, service, and praise to God? Now this morning, if you haven't heard the gospel, if you haven't heard the story of Jesus, if you haven't answered that call, if you haven't been baptized but you would like to, we're here for you. If you need support, if you feel like you've lost your way, don't hesitate to come forward. And don't hesitate to talk to me, Van, Jim, anyone here. Ministers, elders, deacons, we're all here for you. 
So together as we stand and sing.